Yes, welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Gage Clark. Okay, so welcome. This is the Quirky Science Podcast. So we have a guest today. A lot of you that are hearing live, of course, already know who this is. This is Mike the Vegan. And everybody. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, for you, for those of you who uh, are listening that might be from a different, uh, I guess, demographic, I can't think of correct words. Um, this guy is a very, very intelligent uh, person that studies health and uh, makes videos on YouTube about the health effects of veganism and a lot of other stuff like that. Um, if you want, you can make a better description than that. <laughs> yeah, I basically just have a sciencey channel. I try to, I try to make sure every single claim that I make is backed up by the best possible science. I always link everything in the description and I'll actually just link my channel for everybody so that they can see it. But the idea is I talk about, you know, everything from environmental stuff to all of the health stuff, various diseases, and then also some, some animal related stuff. I try to get in there as well, but generally I'm talking about some random disease or uh just some some effect like for example my probably my most well-viewed video is just how the body transforms when you go vegan and i went through like a dozen studies yeah clinical trials and other yeah and other ones just of of what was happening on all sorts of all levels like for example arteries clearing out things like that and so that's sort of my channel i kind of kind of refer to myself as a sort of vegan science writer i'm studying a master's in public health right now so even more health <laughs> health related so any anything you want to know um let's see i have a list of topics and huh so a lot of this is really random um no no limit no limit yeah i figure that like most like these people can get a lot from your channel and I'm hoping to get stuff that they can't get from your channel, you know? So here's one, I guess we could start with, I don't know where to start. Um, so did you know, I've recently heard that a lot of seaweed might actually contain fish because of the bi-kill in it. Did you know about this? I actually, somebody messaged me a while ago about this and I saw there were some write-ups about it because it's one of those things that kind of like every few years, maybe somebody writes an article on and saying, hey, vegans aren't even vegan if they eat this various food, no matter what it is. I mean, it just happens on every topic, kind of get a lot of them get recycled. But uh, from what I read on it and what I read from some, some sort of responses to that, that virtually all seaweed is basically done in seaweed farms and that there is virtually there are virtually no animals killed i mean it probably depends on the aspect i mean it's probably no different than if you're just you know 
harvesting grain or whatever. But uh, I had a, there was, I'll, I'll send a link on it because there was a pretty good, pretty good article on it, which by the end of it, I was like, oh, this isn't really a concern. I mean, maybe it was because it was a vegan writing it, but uh, I'd be glad to share it. That would be cool. So let's see. One thing I thought about is I could imagine what if some of these companies would actually, you don't think they would purposely like uh, do that and then claim it's an accident or like that they're able to claim it's an accident so that their uh, seaweed tastes more fish. More fishy. <laughs> I think that's just a result of like the ocean and who knows how much of the fish smell is actually partially coming from eating these foods or just you know kelp and various things are just all throughout the food chain in sea life so it's hard to tell what ocean you taste in a, in a like a plant a sea plant taste and what's an actual fish taste so look yeah. more into it i just haven't i haven't like thoroughly researched this topic but yeah i was a little worried that some of my questions i don't know uh, my head's like really scattered that's kind of like one of the things about my whole i guess podcasting and blogging and all that i am pretty tangential and weird um so i have some morality questions too uh, so i figured basically what we can do is um so i wanted to bring up some of your theories and I also was thinking of sharing some of mine that I'm uh, working on right now and seeing uh, what you think. And maybe you can like bring up like, like when I, I know when I met you, I talked about the chimp intelligence thing. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. And you brought up like some interesting stuff about bonobos. And I figured like uh, we could just try to see if we can bring up as many interesting random stuff as possible. <laughs> So, um, here's, here's a random study that are like, um, there's two studies that I found. These are probably really stupid studies, but did you know that LSD, they, um, tested to see if you can treat, uh, homophobia and I think they concluded that it did work uh, somewhat and what's funny is they also have a study that uh, they found that uh, they tried to treat homosexuality which that's pretty disturbing um, but I think the reason uh, the reason for that might be that LSD promotes a openness to change with like um, so like um, it's known to increase, uh, have a, uh, induce a long-term increase in the trait known as openness to experience, which is um, basically. Uh, sorry, can you hear my dog in the background? Not bad at all. It's like super minor. Okay. Don't worry about it. Um. So yeah, I think that it basically just. Uh, makes people more prone to changing from whatever position they are currently. But what's interesting about that is that that one trait, openness to experience, it's a part of five different traits uh, in the big five uh, personality assessment stuff. And 
Um, it's the only trait that's significantly linked to intelligence, which I find really interesting. But it's specifically linked to crystallized intelligence, and I think, I think that it could be possible that after people take LSD, they could be uh, more intelligent. But I think, but I think, w with the crystallized intelligence, I think part of it might just be simply that people are more prone to pretty much learning and not. Uh, sitting there repetitiously in their lifestyles essentially and that it's actually going out and stimulating yourself and doing new things that makes you gain crystallized intelligence i think um i didn't i could not find that study looking looking for it so if you find it send it my way i did find another interesting with the lsd and uh homophobia study okay but i yeah, did yeah. find an interesting one ayahuasca and gay and lesbian identity oh man. i mean it's basically what you would expect it's it's the uh in the abstract the result was participants reported affirmation of their sexual orientation and no participants reported negative effects on perception of identity so it was perception of their identity did wasn't compromised which you would guess i mean you're not gonna just like if you're gay and you do some ayahuasca you're not gonna be like all of a sudden i hate myself you know so I, it makes it makes sense. You'd be more open to it. There's, I'll link it right there. Just Somebody just linked the exact same study. Oh, you just found yeah, you found from it from the same thing. Okay. Cool. Um, okay, I found it. Yeah, this is an old one. That's the one you sent me. Oh yes. <laughs> but I I wouldn't doubt that uh, LSD would make you more open. So. Yeah, that's actually like something I focused a lot on. So basically, I should maybe tell you a little bit about what, what um what I like basically I guess who I am. Um so oh, real quick, why not? Uh, what's it called? So wait, should I continue? Hey, tell me. Oh, yes. Um uh trying to think so simply basically i got really obsessed with pharmacology trying to understand uh by researching like receptors and stuff how to form like a um perspective on what consciousness is and just pretty much anything in psychology it's not really focused um so like um, recently, one of the things I've been really into is this receptor that's, or yeah, this receptor and the genes for it that are linked to novelty seeking. And I think that basically, I think, well, I think the receptors control risk taking behavior somehow. And that I think simply by taking more risks, that means that uh, you will develop something like pattern recognition and i think that depending on how willing you are to um, experience novelty which i sort of try to make a claim that it's a, that it's inherently risky to explore novelty rather than as opposed to um staying within your comfort zone essentially or staying in the familiar and i think that there's like a lot of fascinating correlations to that 
um, receptor. But basically, I think that when you try, if you consider memory and how repeating things makes you learn, uh, when you repeat familiar things, you will just kind of slowly learn more and more of the um, uh, details of that thing. But if you explore novel things constantly, you're not actually repeating the same stimuli necessarily. But there is overlapping stimuli within everything. And I think that we start to remember those abstract qualities instead of the... Um, instead of like just remembering that one familiar thing, if that makes sense. So it would slowly develop like a sense of uh, being aware of patterns among different things instead of memorizing the details. But so, well, now I, now we should just go back to the list of questions because I was <laughs> I was going to say, just really quickly, you're talking about the dopamine D4 receptor. Gene. Yeah. Do you know about this? Did yeah, I mention that? Yeah, I'm that reading about it right now. But yeah, let's go back. Let's go back. Yeah, I write about that receptor a lot. It's linked to migration and like lots of crazy stuff. Um, it's I, kind of what I was talking about in a recent video where <laughs> basically we can choose to sort of do what everyone else is doing and, and kind of how we how we idolize heroes within our culture oh, like yeah. people who have kind of take on her quote heroic roles or whatever you want to call it would have more of this gene you know the people that the explorers the the people that are like you said migrating things like that and so kind of interesting anyway we can go back to your questions if you want yeah, dude, no, I like what you put out there right now. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if, like, I was just scared that maybe I'm, like, tangenting off into, like, La La Land. <laughs> but, um, good. Well, let's go, let's go back to your questions, and then we can, we can tangent really hard, tangent really hard toward the end. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> tangent, let's tangent. Okay, um, let's see, what else do we got? We got... Um... Let's see, I was gonna bring up, so there's like an, so like basically culture and veganism. I think, uh, I, I basically have this Korean friend and he gets really upset because he thinks there's not as much support for him to be vegan, especially in the sense of like, he's used to his specific way of cooking and stuff and he thinks that um, there needs to be more people branching out. and But I, th I think this is sort of inevitable that one, like whichever culture is going vegan, it will, like the majority of the products will be centered around it, obviously. And I don't know, do you have any thoughts about like culture and veganism and stuff like that? Well, first of all, I mean, just from a logical perspective, obviously, because something's part of a culture doesn't mean it's right. I mean, we have cultures of cannibalism, cannibalistic tribes, um, cultures of just like horrible doing horrible things to, <laughs> to young boys. I mentioned in one video that one's that one is pretty messed up. We don't need to get into that. So the idea that your culture is automatically right is definitely just a logical fallacy. I think everyone can agree on that. But th but then just sort of having that cultural identity and wanting to keep that cultural identity. I've seen almost everyone at least one person from almost every major culture 
some to some degree adapt really well to a vegan diet like for example i know a lot of uh, latino vegans there's some amazing like in chicago where i lived amazing uh vegan mexican restaurants for example and and korean you know there's like you said there's korean people i know that are vegan that's super super easy to veganize korean stuff um but it is a especially in korean american is super meatified it seems like virtually every culture when they come to america decides to eat more meat or they can afford to eat more meat although it is happening globally as well and so a lot of people also take you know sort of rewrite their culture a little bit and some people there's a good documentary called the invisible vegan which isn't really available yet about uh black um black culture and veganism and milton mills who's in he's in what the health he's in some other documentaries talks about you know what slave food is and basically you know do you do you want to sort of decide that you're always going to be eating like cuttings from the slave master or whatever like do you want to stick with that or do you want to go back even further to african food which is more plant-based and so you can always take take whatever it is from your culture work with it choose you know how see how it filters within your own morality and ethics and i don't think there's any culture that has a super massive issue like a 15 year old Inuit, Inuit vegan dude who's like the only in his village he's a pretty badass guy he's 15 so he's he's pretty awesome and so there's pretty much every culture I can think of somebody's doing it it's a matter of that family can be like really intense to deal with so going you know going back to your country and being like I'm vegan might be kind of hard but it's, it's getting a little bit more well known globally which is is good but some places not so much so yeah let me know if I answered your question or if you have any more oh that was good yeah I think um, something that's kind of interesting too is so do you know about Maslow's hierarchy of needs uh, yeah but I honestly like I haven't even looked at that stuff <laughs> in a while it's okay i'm gonna actually <laughs> post a picture in yeah so chat. self-actualization esteem belongingness and safety and psych psychological needs i think it's pretty easy to argue that you could pretty much call it a hierarchy of privileges <laughs> so but it's funny like um i think it's inevitable that um the most essentially privileged culture will be the first towards any kind of progress especially because pr pretty much like if you look at this chart um like how at the top it says morality creativity and stuff like this i think that it's pretty much just because everyone that's dealing with problems in the other uh i guess uh what to call them i uh stages of the pyramid they uh i don't know you do, do you get what i'm getting at though like they pretty you much can elaborate more <laughs> yeah so like if someone's like obviously if someone's homeless it would probably be more difficult for like it, i wouldn't say it's more difficult for them to be vegan necessarily but i would say that for them to reach the realizations or the education for example that might be a precursor that would be more difficult but also more i think it's just that the culture at the top would have the um the kind of i guess free time is probably like one of the main factors that they would um be the first 
to reach uh, veganism, for example. And I think um, they would end up telling all their friends, which are likely in the same demographic and stuff like that. And um, I kind of, well, I think what happens too is that like, cause I know it's brought up that people, they'll say veganism is privileged. I don't think that's necessarily the case because there is people that'll be like homeless and vegan. And I think it has more to do with the fact that a, essentially a privileged culture would um, reach veganism before others instead of, uh, instead of, it being privileged to be vegan and i think the people a lot of people will look at that and sort of notice that correlation and judge the vegans i guess and make it kind of stigmatized based on thinking it's privileged or use that as an excuse even uh, the, priv the privilege thing, I did a whole video on it. I just linked it in the discussion. There's My main argument against it is that just because something requires some privilege doesn't mean it's bad. You can argue that veganism doesn't require privilege and the, the poorest people in the, in, the, in the world are eating closer to a vegan diet yeah, because, you know, exactly. beans and rice, things like that are the cheapest, things, <laughs> cheapest yeah. things to eat on earth in terms of calories. But I do think in terms of cultural and, you know, socioeconomic status, there's sort of a hump that happens you know, a less wealthy nation might be less vegan, but then as they get more money, they eat more animal products, but then they reach a certain point, sort of like cultural dietary maturity, where they then realize, you know, the option of veganism. And sometimes that gets sidestepped with like spiritual veganism, like Jainism and stuff like that. Uh, but that's kind of where people decide to go vegan. And they can, it, it's sort of like any new thing, like the arts, you know, always flourish when we have a uh, sort of surplus in time and, and resources. And so it makes sense that a vegan diet would do that. And that's why in my recent video, which was what's the, you know, what's the global population of veganism? I looked at country by country, all the data we had. And the Western world is generally the highest. I mean, we already know that, but as we have, have the resources to choose what we eat as well. And just in terms of, I don't, I don't even want to call it like, but sort of like industrialization maturity where we've gone through industrialization, we've had a food excess and now we have to choose what we eat in order to not screw up the world more and we have more choice now. So that's my, that's my view on it at least. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, I think it's interesting. You can kind of notice the the kind of specific um, cultural changes that will occur. Like first, there'll be like a society that can't even essentially afford to eat meat. And then it'll yeah. reach like the Doritos level society or something like that. And then later, like you see um, people start becoming more health conscious and stuff like that probably from like education or something. And then I think veganism is at the top, I hope. <laughs> That's the end result. So, um, I guess we should, should we move to another thing here? Right, yeah. Okay, so let's see. I had a study that is about ants that was super fascinating. Um, 
I think it's kind of relevant to a lot of stuff. So something that the thing that I tried to contribute to veganism, but it's kind of it's kind of weird, but basically like that chimp intelligence thing, I think that we falsely judge a lot of different um, animals and their cognition essentially. And I, I want to try to help end that. Um, so for example, I think, like, have you heard of the Flynn effect? Not that I know of, but not that I can think of right now. I'll look it up. So I'll summarize it as it's essentially a pattern that they've noticed that I think from the 1930s that um, I they measured IQ uh, for each generation and they've found that the average IQ has increased by 30 points uh, as of today, I think. It might be as of since the 2000s or something. I can't remember exactly. But... Yeah, I've, I've heard of that before, and I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So what? So what is your observation on that then? So there's some interesting things. The research on this, there's way too many problems to really make any conclusion. But for, okay, so I'll start with this first. There is some experiments that tested chimps short-term memory against university students and the chimps were superior by about double but the chimps were not um or no the humans were not trained for this they were just taught how to play this um, short-term memory game and the chimps were trained for i think a year in advance okay okay yeah small detail <laughs> yeah and so they redid it and had the humans trained i don't think it was a year it was only i think a month or something and the humans outperformed the chimps but not by that much they out so they the chimps scored eight out of ten on average and the humans scored nine out of ten on average and i think that okay so like if we're trying to control for the uh, environmental factors like essentially training is one of those um i think that there's like a huge overlook on so like i think uh going back to the flynn effects i think a lot of it has to do with the acceleration a kind of an acceleration of intelligence based on, or I don't know if I'd call it intelligence, but an acceleration based on, um, okay, so like access to information, access to books would be increasing, access to stimulating cognitive tasks and uh, the cultural changes centered around like raising our kids even and like just a lot of different things. And basically my argument is that humans um, aren't necessarily cognitively superior, I don't think. Well, okay, I'm tangenting way too much. Basic, uh, 
I should go back to uh, the Flynn effect. So um, I think there's like a bunch of environmental factors that are beyond nutrition. I think nutrition is part of it for sure, like heavily. And I think also that the kind of stimulation uh, from being in a society that's essentially uh, built upon cognitive tasks is like a huge factor that's not controlled for. Like, I feel like these chimps probably live in what's essentially like some kind of weird solitary confinement almost, and that they play this game all day. And then these humans are living in a society that's heavily geared towards training a bunch of different things mentally, you know? And I think, well, I don't know. I'm trying not to go too far into this because, I don't know, it's really long. But basically, on, on the theoretical level, I think that there's a lot of evidence that domesticated species become less intelligent and it occurs in multiple species and that there's like uh, theories talking about humans being self-domesticated and then um i think like so ants for example they've they have agriculture and stuff like this and i think that um a lot of advances that we make as a species are not necessarily based on intelligence and that they're um in effect of kind of like a collective intelligence um well i think i'm gonna switch off that topic i have like a bunch of stuff okay. on that <laughs> i was gonna say i have a quick response on intelligence yeah. i mean we, we briefly spoke about this before and my view in a nutshell was that there are ways that chimpanzees are I would say that, I mean, we're comparing domesticated chimpanzees to, as you're saying, quote, domesticated humans. See, I mean, I should clarify, uh, like, selected genetically to be domesticated rather than not just, um, I don't I don't know if they've done that with chimps, but, like, in the sense of, like, how they'll Very breed. It. I would argue that we aren't domestic. I would argue that put me or you into a tribe as a baby, we would do just as good as a human like we haven't had genetic changes since agriculture to completely undomesticate us obviously we are not domesticated i mean i i don't i can't think of anything that's happened to us genetically that's made us made us officially domesticated if you feel free to put something forward if you know um so uh that gets tricky but uh it depends essentially what you consider to be domestication. The way I've researched it is specifically with uh, a few different receptors. Uh, so like there's serotonin receptors and dopamine receptors that are linked to the kind of um, changes that occur in when we domesticate species. And so like if we select for certain um, but one of them is 5-HT1A receptors or um, even that gene that's linked to migration in dogs they found it's linked to um, uh, there was a test where they're well they basically found that dogs will uh, I forgot what they call it like gazing behavior or something but they'll look towards the human to solve the puzzle like they're basically asking the human to help them solve the puzzle 
and um, there's like differences where wolves won't do that type of thing and uh, then wolves will outperform uh, dogs cognitively and then also those like that gene is linked to short-term memory and that's what was tested in the chimps but I think that the evidence on that isn't good enough pretty much um, I would say, I mean, there might, we might have some genetic changes like that, but I mean, I, I am pretty much sure that if you took even, even being technically domesticated their whole life or, you know, living in civilization their whole life, a series of survival courses or whatever, that they would be able to survive in the wild. Like, I, I don't think that's quite an so so I should clarify again just to make sure so what I mean by domestication is more essentially socialization like I think the reason that like our uh, kind of so like humans are pretty much the most social species I would claim and I think it's essentially like when you domesticate or in terms of like I'm saying uh, essentially selective mating not necessarily like living in society though so um, for example like choosing the nicer dogs versus the more like vicious dogs that's pretty much how we would like domesticate the dogs like only breeding the nice ones and then it results in like certain qualities like um like the floppy ears and stuff like that and some of those that? uh changes uh there's like theories for schizophrenia where they think that they're hyper domesticated and there's stuff like palate size for example where like uh they have a smaller palate size which has been linked to domestication i think in other species i think dogs specifically and foxes um I don't know. Did that clarify anything? I'm, I'm kind of like anxious to get bit. into that topic because it's like really long and I already talk about it way too much. Yeah, yeah, we can get out of it. I just have one final, I just have one final yeah, point can, on intelligence, like this, which is, you can, <laughs> no, we'll go back. We'll go back after this one. This is not even particularly to the, the chimpanzees in general, but I feel like looking at intelligence in animals as a reason to make them into food or not just don't subscribe to that at all you know we have people humans who are much less intelligent you know people with down syndrome and stuff like that and we, we them. No. i'm just saying we do not not obviously we eat them because they're part of our same species but the idea is we treat them them better we take care of them and you know they're more vulnerable and that is what like when some when a species or a person or whatever has less intelligence that is not when you take advantage and kill them that is when you help them or at least let, at least let them be so that's my whole view on intelligence so whether we are more or less intelligent than chimps obviously this is a separate topic but to me it has bearing on what we're eating and what we should it should or shouldn't eat yeah i so. completely agree i actually think the only thing that we can base our treatment of something uh, treatment of an animal or something it should be based on like can it feel harm therefore don't harm it unless there's like some really good reason that outweighs um i don't know i don't know about that even but i think like too many like to it's like intelligence has like no relationship to 
that question i feel like even you know what i mean like and people see like my reason for going at it i think too many people assume that and just uh challenging that might uh i don't know it kind of would even open their mind or something you know i don't know but yeah let's go let's go back to what what other questions did you have i'm curious okay so let's see so I wanted to ask some weird ones about what do you think about um, so the first one it's maybe not that crazy but freeganism what do you think about that better than the standard diet there's I actually am a huge proponent of freeganism for cats people there's a lot of vegans who rescue cats and then they go vegan and then they're you know they have they have an ob- obligate corn- carnivore who requires meat requires all that taurine and so you can either go and and buy a you know some like virgin piece of meat which i know a lot of people do do which increases the animal impact or you can feed them weird sort of like vegan mixes which some people claim are okay some people claim are animal cruelty they have all the taurine stuff in them but for me, the obvious solution is go and dumpster dive for your <laughs> go and dumpster dive for your cat. Like I don't know why more people don't do it. Dude, I love um, that. But we That's are not. Rude. Yeah, <clears throat> we are yours. So, do you think- <laughs> did you do that? Wait, what? Sorry. Don't have that biological need, so I don't feel like we have to freegan it, freeganize it. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's clearly not something that could be sustainable on a society scale because then there's no um like yeah it because there would be nobody buying uh meat to be thrown away in the first place so it wouldn't be it would be like ask yourself so say there you can do i was say it's always a good question to ask yourself if, if a habit that you're taking up can be adopted by the masses is it still sustainable like for example you might go oh i'm hunting it's you know it's not factory farm blah 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 well if everybody hunts <laughs> that's not gonna work so that would be just mass extinction right there or something um so let's see how about we could get into um i actually am running out of questions uh no problem. Anybody can type in a question if they want, if they're listening. I don't know how many people are listening. I see Banana Banana Warrior Princess is here. Princess. Yeah. She's actually oh. listening. <laughs> um, freeganism, though, I guess we can keep talking about that. Uh, like I said, it technically wouldn't have an added animal impact. I'm also vegan for health, so I would not want to eat those things. I do not want to eat the saturated fat and cholesterol and various animal protein from a dumpster and so i wouldn't go for it but environmentally and ethically it sort of checks the box checks the boxes as less of an impact for sure than a standard diet so it's in the right direction do you think that people who are freegan would have an obligation to basically not tell others that they're freegan Good one, because I actually know people that have been freegan who are honestly not even close to freegan. Like, they say they're freegan, and then they'll just eat, you know, they'll just eat whatever, <laughs> and they're just basically a standard, someone on a standard American diet that doesn't, <laughs> like, maybe if they cook for themselves, it's vegan, and they try and just, like, get whatever food they can. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I see with reduced vegetarians too. Like, reduced vegetarians 
might do like one meatless Monday every three or four weeks and then just eat the same as other people. And that's not everybody, but that's what I've observed. Known people who are like, yeah, man, I'm I'm eating like one vegan, one non-vegan meal a week. I'm basically vegan. And then I, I actually saw what they ate and they ate one vegan meal a week, actually tracking it. You know, so it's crazy to, to how people distort their own habits. So I tend to like to say I'm vegan. I don't eat any animal product. There you go. So that way, animal products in. Even a lot of people who are trying to be vegan end up like slipping up, and that's you know, when they're transitioning. That's way better than you know it could be. Yeah. Okay. I remember. So how about you go into your starch theory? I really liked that. Starch runner theory or starch in general? Um, uh, starch runner theory. Okay, so I guess a little bit of background. I have whole, like a whole food plant-based diet, whole food vegan diet, which is generally based around starch because a lot of our largest populations are based around starch. And archaeologically, we have a lot of evidence, especially newer evidence, that starch is what really helped us evolve as humans, what took us and and helped us grow our brains because it was a really consistent storable source of glucose the starch just breaks digests into glucose and so it's a really good brain fuel and so i have, I have some videos on that go through the studies uh this team of, of archaeologists with karen hardy who looks into that there's also uh, uh at dartmouth uh, nathaniel dominey who talks about you know starch growing our brains and, and being the I don't, I don't like the term ideal human food, but it was a major, major resource that shifted, shifted humanity. And so one of the things that happened around the same time that we got a lot smarter was we were able to run super long distances, becoming the best, essentially best persistence runner on earth out of any mammal. And I don't know if you've read Born to Run, but they talk about that um, 100 mile race where that dude is, is racing on his horse race and his horse i guess just gets injured or, or something in the first few miles and he decides to run anyway and he wins so he outran so oh, in, wow. in 100 at 100 miles so human human can outrun a horse at 100 miles if you're in shape and it's really running is almost not the right term it's like trotting lightly trotting or like fast walking really oh, we yeah. can do that almost forever ridiculous amount we can do like scott jurek is a vegan the u.s record for longest distance run in 24 hours i believe it was 127 miles something in that range in 24 hours so super far which is amazing and so my i was looking at how this occurred and you've probably heard if you're familiar with born to run you've probably heard about persistence running and persistence running is essentially where you're just chasing an animal until they anymore and then you kill them and eat them and this was oh no supposed to be the explanation for how we got more intelligent before we got hunting tools and and various various tools like this and so that just never worked for me <laughs> oh no yeah. that just never really it was a good explanation for me i was like that just isn't gonna work you know, know we didn't have the yeah. tools and then and then once you kill these animals we have no way to we didn't really have a way to preserve them we would have only a very short amount of time it wouldn't have been that much calories it probably would have been a calorie drain but I sort of invented, sort of thought of this starch runner hypothesis. I talk about it in one of my videos. And it's basically how we actually had a lot of selection for running fast, for running further and further and becoming better at perspiring. You know, we have, we're bipedals, which is unique to our cousins or our, our ancestors were not bipedals. How did this happen? And it was us moving from the trees 
as largely frugivores down to the plains as essentially starch eaters, which as a tribe, if you could cover more distance, you could get a lot more calories, a ton more starch calories, which would be available all year round in tubers. And so I, I kind of did some of the math in my video. If you're interested in that, you can look at it. But basically, you can imagine a tribe of people or maybe some scouts running out you know, 50 miles in a day and finding hundreds of thousands of calories in like a new sort of starch calories. And so that would be an evolutionary pressure for us to run further and further and reach larger and larger distances with more of our plants, basically. And then thing came along that changed, changed it even more so we could get even more out of it. So, <laughs> I imagine humans being quite lazy, to be honest. Well, that is why we are so lazy is because we're so efficient. You're not gonna run. Well, yeah. Well, you have to eat first, for sure. But we, everything about us is so that we are conserving calories. So that, and and that is why we are the most efficient runners per calorie, you know, mile, calories per mile, is because we're so efficient. We have these sort of springy. Like, why why do we have these these kind of awkward big club feet? Is so that we can spring for our energy that we put into the ground. And we hate running any more than we have to as efficient about it as possible. So you're not going to want to run unless you know there's going to be a better reward. So so that's my view on that. That's why we're all super lazy and why we hate running despite being the best long distance runner on earth. So it's kind of interesting. And of course, we have the advantage of being able to sweat unlike many of these other animals and breathe independently of our stride. Like a rabbit has to breathe in every time it makes a stride, which is really interesting. Cool. So we have so many of those of those physical traits so yeah that's okay thank you um no so i was thinking do you are you willing to okay so what do you think about psychedelics are have you tried them are you willing to even answer that? i actually grew up in a movement uh the transcendental meditation movement which was all about like meditation and consciousness, exploring consciousness. And that movement was largely founded on people that did psychedelics. Like a lot of our parents came to it from, you know, they did psychedelics. They wanted to re-experience experience that again. And so they movement and like consciousness exploring. And so I actually didn't get heavy into any of that stuff. And so I actually haven't done a lot of psychedelics. So I can't really speak to the experience that much. I've done a lot of research on it, uh, so not like a ton of reprint, not as much as you have, but I've done a decent amount of research on it. I think there are positive and negative effects of each and, you know, each drug. I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, it's whatever works for you. Yeah. So, hmm. What about, I know you did a video on cannabis. What about that? Did a, I did a weed video and... My view, I'll really, I mean, I'll really quickly sum it up. I was trying to look at all the positive, negative, and no, there's another mic, nice. Um, <laughs> I, uh, sorry if you're, if you're just listening, somebody with the username MIC also came on. Um, basically, if I was to nutshell it, there are positive and negative effects. Most of the negative effects are from smoking weed, but a lot of the negative effects are also because it manipulates dopamine, which is what meth does. A lot of people don't want to say that, but it's true. Yep. And so you got to think about that. And so if you're doing a high THC dose or strain, you are doing, I don't know, a dab or something, you're going to be 
possibly messing with your dopamine as much as like certain doses of meth and stuff. So yeah, especially <laughs> smoking or anything like inhaling it. It's like the the speed that it comes on. I think is really significant. Like compared, I think it's obviously healthier. But, but well, healthier than meth, you mean? Yeah, definitely. healthier than meth. But <laughs> vaping is obviously definitely healthier than the smoking. So like. There's almost no negative effect of vaping other than the dopamine. And then there's some like THC brain damage research. Someone, this uh, YouTuber named Abolaciel got mad at me for not mentioning the brain damage. And then I sent him back a study that said, actually there's neuroprotective effects. Yeah, I saw there's neuroprotective. He made a video that was Mike the Vegan is all caps wrong <laughs> about that. And so I sent him back a study that was actually, here's here's a, a review on the topic and and it's talking about how it's, it has neuroprotective effects and potentially neuro. So it's not necessarily set in stone yet. It's a. It's pot, and, and it's it's kind of hard to tell. Some of them are like injecting THC directly in the brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be. So I don't. I don't know. It's 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 not exactly conclusive yet. I've actually so uh, I did some of the this research on cannabis. Um, whenever I do research, it tends to get like really far out. Basically, though, I uh, I was looking at the mechanisms and kind of looking at the similarities of how it, well, how it can basically induce psychosis in some people, like schizophrenics. Yes. And there's some it can trigger that in some people allegedly, but I don't think it's as common as people would think. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting, so. Did you know that people with schizophrenia uh, will tend to experience optical illusions? And I think it's just illusions in general, uh, less than people without it. Interesting. I yeah. That. I mean, I know if you're looking, if you're familiar, if some of you are familiar with, with ISIL, you're familiar with vegan gains. Vegan gains used to have a lot of more hallucinations. Then he changed his diet. Well, and wow. his hallucinations almost went, at least almost went away entirely or did go away entirely it was unclear but they went from pretty regular to not regular at all which is pretty crazy and you know we're not going to studies on that maybe we will someday but it's just interesting interesting phenomenon yeah i think um something i try to or well well with that illusion thing i think what's interesting is that most people will assume that those with schizophrenia, like it would seem more uh, sensical if they would experience more illusions, right? And that kind of like became my obsession because that's, I don't know, that's really weird. And basically what I've kind of realized is I think illusions are essentially the highest layer of our perception where they're essentially, it's kind of like the autocorrect of our perception that is messing up and assuming things that aren't necessarily true. And it's- When you're talking about illusions, you're not talking about hallucinations. You're talking about yes. your brain just filling in the blanks or you are talking about hallucinations? Not hallucinations, but hallucinations, I would argue are a form of illusions, but it, I think that what we call hallucinations occurs once you, kind of unravel all the normal illusions that everyone else has and you're kind of like set back to where you're you're basically not having the assumptions of what's most likely true anymore like because 
for example, like most of the things that will trigger psychotic symptoms, they block uh, the receptors involved with memory. And um, so basically, uh, I'm trying to think how to relate that, but basically, um, once you're doing that, I think it removes a lot of the learned illusion. You kind of going robotic right now. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? I can't. Yeah, that's way better. You're kind of you're kind of going into a robot voice. Okay. But you're better. Sorry about that. So, basically, I think because um, illusions are sort of I'm trying to think like I don't know like if I were to assume that. I like I wouldn't assume something that's very unlikely because I'm so primed for what is likely because I experience what is likely much more so the assumptions I have is that it's going to happen like that but once you start turning off these memory receptors I think you essentially are opening yourself up to not biasing towards that and I think so like uh, our judgments of the present moment are essentially like heavily influenced by memories uh, uh, and like short term memory and long term memory both. And once you start reducing that, I think you're getting closer and closer to not having those um, assumptions, which leaves you closer towards like a more raw information of your senses rather than um like what illusions are i think one thing that was really interesting so just just the obvious idea that most of what we're <laughs> raw perception till far that's pretty funny most of what we're experiencing is what what our brain is is assuming which is really interesting so we have that you know that recent thing of, if it was yanny or laurel one which I think is amazing for perception and, and whether you want to call it illusion or not. And that is the brainstormer green needle thing, which I'll link right here. Yo, thinking it's going to say brainstorm. And if you watch it thinking it's going to say green needle, you will hear green needle. And it's amazing. Literally creating our own experience. And you can just switch it back and forth. Unlike Laurel and Yanni, which is really off not not for everybody but based off like hearing your hearing abilities and the high the high pitches for yanni and lower pitches for laurel and so this is i kind of went on the the most tangential thing possible no yeah that's uh, yeah that's which is totally relevant actually yeah that's like exactly yeah um one of the things uh, i don't know i'm trying to think how to i don't know uh, I think it's like I forgot there was a reason I brought that up but I don't even remember anymore it's okay <laughs> another thing I'm doing totally different topic that is just kind of funny because I just said the word needle is I am doing it a, an upcoming video where I am I just got a blood glucose monitor and I'm just like measuring my blood sugar response to everything oh that sounds interesting yeah and I've only been doing it for a couple meals but it's me stabbing myself every hour on the half hour. And so it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to see like my uh, fasting is 
like half of what Sean Baker, who is the uh, no carb all meat diet guy, oh, <laughs> fasting <God>. blood glucose. <laughs> we don't need to talk about him, but I just thought that was that was kind of a funny. Yeah, thing. I saw that. It's crazy. Hmm. Uh, so this ant thing, I, that is a really interesting topic. Um, talk about actually, ants. Have you actually heard about this? That there might be self-recognition in ants. So I'll kind of recognize faces. Yeah. So I'll link the study. Um, but basically, here's like a short description from Wikipedia, which might be, I don't know. It's okay. So in a, uh, basically they, well, I'm just going to summarize it in my own words, actually. So they, they painted blue dots on the face of ants and um, it was three different species. Um, none of the ants touched it when they had no mirror. Um, none tried to scratch blue dots that were on the mirror. And when they had a brown dot similar to their own color, only one of 30 ants scratched the brown dot and they claimed that it was a darker than average um, ant. So it was still visible. And they also reacted they to the did pass. You're saying they did pass the mirror test, just not in like the initial sense? What do you say? Um, yeah, they did. But they did pass the mirror test. Um, they tried to clean off the blue dot, and they don't behave like that if there's a glass divider with ants on the other side, also. And I don't know. It's pretty insane, I think. And so basically, the thing it is, as I say, only a few animals officially pass the mirror test that I've seen. It's it's essentially a few birds um, and pigs and uh, some other animals, yeah. dolphins. So I have to I have to look into that more. I'm reading about it a little bit. I'm not seeing. Okay, didn't react to dots. Yeah, I'll have to read about this later. So I, I really fully under fully understand it and the limitations of all the studies and stuff. Yeah, I but think. I don't know. There's also. Um... Well, well, just before moving on, the whole thing that it made me realize is, well, I'm basically going to do research soon about, uh, I think that self-awareness might arise for a specific purpose in certain social species where it's needed rather than a product of being super intelligent or something. I think that it might be like a certain kind of group setting because I noticed like octopus are intelligent but do not pass and I think most of the species on the list of ones that do pass are actually more social and maybe it's like because you want to not lose track of your identity or something like that or I can't really figure out what in specific it would be about like the larger groups that causes it but I think it's specifically larger groups like probably the animals that uh, fail it that are intelligent might um, still be social, but maybe only in a mating sense or something like that, or yeah. in smaller groups. Say, I've also read I've read that the mirror test can be consistent. Like you can actually have you could have an animal that can pass the mirror test actually fail the mirror test in certain situations, or they're they're not going to have the reaction that you think they're supposed to have. So some of the mirror tests sort of need to be redesigned a little bit necessarily the best thing i'd also be really curious like 
maybe a single ant isn't conscious, but what a man. <laughs> Mike the straw man. Somebody, <laughs> anyway. But perhaps the ant, the entire ant colony, that would be insane. I highly doubt it, but the, the entire ant colony would somehow exhibit a higher, somewhat higher form of consciousness. Not sure if that would be a crazy thing to, to research. Yeah, I like I wonder, because I think if you look at the brain, it's like we have chemical messengers and that's like the substrate that a lot of things are occurring. And I think you can make an argument that, well, on a much slower scale, probably, and much uh, just, well, basically I was getting at the ants communicate probably in a somewhat similar way. But then what if like a lot of their cognition is more focused uh individually whereas like our neurons for example probably is that each neuron is probably much less uh complex than the whole ant brain i'm assuming so like maybe a lot of their function is individual so that it kind of compensates for the slowness of their chemical messengers that are i think they lay it on the ground and uh, emit like smells and stuff like that and yeah, they have like pheromones, pheromone messages. I would also say like, we don't, you know, how smart does an ant have to be? I mean, an, an ant doesn't necessarily have to have full, not even just self, there's self-awareness like, okay, I can recognize, my, recognize myself in the mirror. I'm self-aware and I understand how I relate to the rest of the world. Or it's, it's hard to say there are different scales of self-awareness as well, so. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting stuff. Um, do you have any random crazy studies or science stuff that you have in mind? And I'm crazy science stuff. I mean, it depends. I mean, I'm, I definitely, whoever, anyone can ask any questions at any point. So feel free I to did have a list of people that sent in some stuff. There was, um, do you know who philosophical vegan is? Uh, I have seen, I did, are they a YouTuber? Yeah. I, uh, they own a forum that's popular. I've read, okay, I've read some of their things. Yes, I've read some of their... He wanted to tell you that. Okay, let's see. He says... Um, let's see, where is it? Okay, so he's, he asks about your view on GMO technology. And are you against GM vegan tech, like making casein from yeast? Kind of a nuanced view on on gmos definitely i do support isolated uh, microbial genetic modification like for example the uh new impossible burger is gen genetically modified yeast that ferments and creates like hemoglobin which is legume based heme iron which gives the burger that bleeding taste and so that i'm in theory supportive of that obviously it's straight up straight up like gmo in a vat but, uh, and then of course we have, you know, genetically modified insulin, which is vegan insulin. And so things like that, I don't see a negative to. So I'm, I'm still bitter about GMOs in the sense that a heavily lobbied, somewhat sketchy, just introduction of GMOs into the food supply, which was definitely not something I was cool with. And there are still, you know, there are still positive and negative studies about that, and it's it's a debate that would be a way longer debate to have, or, or you know, just talking about the studies on that would go super would be super long winded. But that's my that's my general idea is that I, I don't like big biotech companies. 
um, I would probably say Grateful Dead, Mike of Mike. <laughs> Sorry to go. <laughs> I didn't answer the question. Did, do you um, like capitalism? Or Grateful Dead. Uh, so I, I would definitely say that I support the GMO, the like micro biology GMO. Like I've I've met some people that work for Gel. It was Gel Zen, now it's Gel Tour. <laughs> Honestly, I don't really care that much about either of those bands. <laughs> I'm too. <laughs> anyway, so now you can hate me. I definitely do see it playing a, a good role. Like I'd rather have a genetically modified yeast than slaughtering a bunch of cows and environmental impact from that and 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 things like that so i'm pro pro vegan gelatin i'm pro uh there's a company called a new day i think and they're doing the gmo casing are you primarily or maybe not well are you how much are you into ethics of veganism like is that one of your most um is that something that inspires you a lot I started out as a health vegan and then quickly, because I had the meat goggles off, I was able to actually take a level-headed look at what happens to animals and what we can prevent. And so I'm definitely not necessarily equal parts environmental, ethical, and health vegan, but I'm definitely, what's going on? What do you think about veganism from an environmentalist point of view? Exactly what we're talking about, that was a question. Uh, I actually have a bachelor's of science in sustainability. So my background is actually environmental. Now I'm studying a master's of master's of public health, putting both sewing both of those two areas together. So definitely, it's massive. I mean, I have a ton of views, ton, ton of videos on the environmental aspect, talking about you know the CO two emissions, the rainforest destruction. There was a uh, great um, name the trade. You're talking about uh, the ethical argument by ask yourself name the trade animals that animals have that humans don't have that means we shouldn't eat them my only weak spot that i see in name the trait is nepotism nepotism is the only trait could you describe that kind of, nepotism that we love our relatives the things that are related to us yeah okay. the idea that there's no it doesn't matter like at the end of the day name the trait is a really good argument in a lot of cases but is not the ultimate argument in the sense that they I don't like know. speciesism basically i care more about humans because they're human because i'm nepotistic because that's it like why you care more about your your brother and sister than you do about a random person on the street that's that's what i consider the blind spot of that argument but that's still not a blind spot against veganism so very true i like it um, I sorry, I kind of like almost cut you off there. I was like, kind of weirding out. Um, so I had this thought experiment that I thought about. It's almost as absurd, absurd as the island experiment thought experiment. Like just saying, like, what if you're stuck on an island? It's like that ridiculous almost. But I think it has nuances that are more interesting. So I'm wondering. Imagine. We could even say that you're also on an island. Okay, you're on this island where there's only a one restaurant, let's say, and that restaurant turns vegan and dumps out all their meat, and your choice is basically you can buy the plant food, and that 
technically would cause a slight increase of uh, harm, like from whatever, like pesticides or something. Like maybe they're not, let's say they're not veganic, or even if they were, it's still resource, uh, it affects resources or something. Versus oh. dumpster diving, would you, which one would you do? Oh, you're to your hypothetical situation. You're on an island where you can either be a freegan, arm in a way that has an impact. That's what you're saying. Yes. I mean, it's... First of all, I really doubt that you'd be able to fully sustain yourself off the freegan stuff. Maybe you would be. Let's say just one... So, I also do veganic farming and veganic gardening, so that's that would be my way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, if at the end of the day you're having more... Well, first of all, I, from a health perspective, I wouldn't want to eat the meat. Yeah. That's, that's my own dilemma, but if, like, okay, let's say, okay, let me let me refine your argument a little bit, or your, your hypothetical situation. You can either get a full freaking meal every day for two weeks on this island that you visit. You have to get in a combine and harvest an entire field of grain. <laughs> and that kills a bunch of small animals. First of all, yeah, someone's saying, I don't know if that's what they're talking about. Yeah, well, I will never be on this island. No one will ever be on this island, and this is never and never will be a reason let's, to ever let's not Let's just say be. it's a foreign planet. <laughs> just, no. But let's say, yeah, let's say, yeah, I'd probably end up little animals and eating eating the meat. But again, that's never, ever going to happen. And I would do it as, you know, something, you know, I don't want to eat meat, basically. That's <laughs> my answer is I don't want to eat meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a thought experiment. It's not ever, ever going to happen. Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know what I would do, honestly. I feel like I would be selfish and freak out about the meat, kind of. Which is so why vegans are all afraid of boats, because they're going to end up on a desert island where they can only eat meat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's funny. Someone's asking about thoughts on Islam. That might be a little bit too much of a tangent, but I will yeah, say that this halal is... slaughter. I mean, it's just in re- re- like religious religious excuses to eat meat in general, in my opinion. Troll. Well, I'll, I'll just try and turn it into into something that's good to talk about, um, which is why I don't think religion is an excuse to eat meat or kill animals or slaughter. Like there's a Jewish chicken slaughter fest, and I'm yeah, I'm not a secret Muslim. I'm actually. They have a religion, and I'm, I guess you could consider me agnostic. <laughs> I don't know. I have a lot of a lot of viewers from all different religions. And yes, halal slaughter, if you've seen the videos of halal slaughter, I mean, it's horrible. And the, the sort of <laughs> working around loopholes in animal cruelty and halal is, yes, very, can be very brutal. It's like, oh, the animal's not looking. Now I can stab it in his throat when it's fully conscious, their throat when it's, they're fully conscious. And so it's pretty messed up. It's not an excuse. That as Ariadne, how much did I butcher your name, said, uh, religion is, it can be an excuse for a lot of things. And definitely not all religions are right. I'm sure you, we don't need to talk about it. You've all heard that before. Yeah, so any, I'm open to any more questions. Probably going to have to wrap it up in the next 10 minutes. Okay, sounds good. What do you think of... Do you like Jordan Peterson? Peterson. Do I even know who that is? Oh, I'm going to look him up. I wonder what comes up. See I wonder if, if Alt-Right or something crazy comes up. Canadian 
public intellectual. That's always a bad sign. Someone's <laughs> yeah. Uh, so from Toronto, you know, no, I haven't, I haven't looked at this person before. He's kind I of feel like I've seen like little clips of videos of all these people that you always mention, but I've never like studied them. I'm not familiar with like all of their views and all of that stuff. So brought him up. Let's see. Um, does anyone, uh, Mike, if you're okay with it, I can pick some people on the mic if they want to ask something. Pop one up, yeah. Banana Warrior Princess, should especially. Go yeah, for it. Banana Warrior, do you want to? Maybe. Or anyone else? Bench press. I do. I am not a bodybuilder. I can one rep my own weight, which is one seventy, but I am not. I am not a bodybuilder or a weightlifter by any means. I can do. I can do quite a few pull ups, which isn't bad. My favorite well-known vegan activist. That's a hard choice. That's a hard one. I could never ever decide. Ed at that when we met at the same time. That was cool to meet Earthling Ed. Top three. Oh man, I don't know. I you know I have a love hate relationship with Gary Yarovsky just because of some of the crazy shit he said. He's apologized for a lot of it. Um, Earthling Ed. I like um, Bite Size Vegan is probably Bite Size Vegan is probably number one. And then I don't know. I don't know who else I like. I just like a lot of a lot of them. Earthling Ed is really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you say? Oh, I, no! I just said Earthling Ed is really cool. Yeah, he's super great. Yeah, uh, Bite Size Vegan stopped uplo uploading videos because she got burnt out. She occasionally uploads like a random. Not that much. She still does activism. love James Aspie a lot I just think I mean I like him a lot I just haven't really seen that much of his stuff and I think he's great I also really like a lot of the <laughs> have you seen this side I'm not gonna read that comment um, but I will say it was funny going back to Sean Baker just for a second someone said have you seen the size of Sean Baker's penis okay I read it um, one of his reasons for having a good level of testosterone, despite his, despite his testosterone being abysmally low and that of like a 90 year old grandma was because he gets erections and it was probably the most amazing reason. <laughs> so scientific, so scientific. All the science. I have two people in Honey, real life. Honey, but Banana your Princess, what? What's wrong with Banana Warrior Princess? Why are you, why is Banana Warrior, why is Mike the Banana Warrior Princess not saying anything? She's probably not paying attention anymore. Anyway, yeah, what else is there to talk about? I'm trying to think. I'm also working on a also working on a documentary. I got a drone. I'm gonna do some uh, I, I live in Iowa. Iowa, but I'm gonna do a little mini documentary on the uh, hog confinements, we call them that here. So it's, uh, I've actually lived in Colorado for a year, Mr. You should move to Colorado. I lived in Boulder. Around and, and interview people about, about them, about the hog confinements. You know, a lot of them have like 10,000. 10,000 pigs in a single building. Oh, someone's in Boulder right now. Yeah, I used to live near Sanitas and I ran Sanitas. I just ran up Sanitas a few times a week, which is a mountain. It's like a mountain. It's cool. Saw a bear there once. There is cool. someone that has a question in my real world. If, if 
you want to tackle this? Um, do you want to go ahead? to say it? If the whole world went vegan, should we push domesticated farm animals into extinction? Just right along the line. Did you see my most recent video? Because this is right along the lines of that. She did. Um, I'm on headphones, unfortunately, so I have to like relay that back. Okay, my most recent my most recent video was a response to Brightside, the YouTube channels, uh, and they have 10 million subscribers. Their video, which was essentially "What if the whole world went vegan," actually mapped out different scenarios of what the animal population would be. And yes, Mike, Mike, the uh, c-word just said sanctuaries, and that is exactly what I said. Basically, you stop breeding animals because we artificially inseminate of our farm animals you stop doing that and you have one of two one of two situations that i i went through and one was you consider the current rate of slaughter for all animals and virtually all of the animals would be gone year we basically have 50 billion chickens out of the 70 billion animals we have they would all virtually all be slaughtered in at six weeks technically go get the population done really fast. And then I also did a zero slaughter, super vegan. And so chickens live about seven years. It would go down to like a 20 billion farm animal population at seven years. And then all this, the farm animals will slowly die until you reach about 17 to 20, which is the longest living, the longest living ones. And then basically you could just have as many in sanctuaries as you could afford the idea was if you have my joke was like if you have a vegan population a whole global global vegan population you're you're gonna have a massive sanctuary budget you just put to be a sustainable amount in animal sanctuaries okay yeah yeah going vegan is the only way to stop premature ejaculation (laughs) yeah my, I just realized my computer was not plugged in. Oh man, I almost thought I lost it. So, yeah. Um, there we that go. The video was so ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Like, and then the voice, I was just thinking, like, who are these people that make these videos? Like, it's like so manipulative, kind of. Like, there's so. Oh much- yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It was like eight points against veganism for every point. Yeah, they tried to sound neutral and all that. It's, oh man. Yeah. Actually, a funny thing, and we are getting all these sexual questions right now. Or just sexual trolling, trolling, I would say. I was kind of nervous about the, I mean, it's not bad, right? It's okay. I I was actually going to say something on topic of how I had this, this video a really long time ago. Uh, five reasons, was it five reasons vegans are better at sex? Yes. I will just link it and you can watch it later. But it actually just got flagged for being adult content, my only video. What? <laughs> and so I need to talk to my like YouTube person about it because it's kind of bullshit. There's kind of nothing on there that is actually bad. graphic or anything like that. I do talk about, yeah, somebody was, you know, talking about, if you're talking about your penis, if you want your dick to work, uh, going vegan is a good, pretty good thing. Like almost every veg fest I've gone to, I've met a lot of people. I've had a random dude come up to me and be like, dude, I, I used to have erectile dysfunction and now I don't. 
And I actually had one of those guys come in on my video, Meet and Masculinity. Wow. <laughs> well, I do. In, the, in that video, I do. I'll watch my Meet and Masculinity video if you want evidence. But it's, it's an arterial issue. I also have my erectile dysfunction video. Here's my evidence. I'm going to link right now. Erectile dysfunction aspect. I'll look it up real quick. The science on this, the science of the arteries, clearing out the arteries, etc. And I do have a video on the female yeah. micro architecture of the clitoris i have a video on that being clogged or not i have a i forgot what it was called but i actually 3d printed a clitoris it's pretty pretty crazy looking have you find that for you about, <laughs> i think that there's going to be ethical cannibalism in the future once lab grown meat is here what do you think about that is that I guess hilarious. I don't know. It's weird. I I think it's interesting. I mean, we're already going to have, you know, like, get a leather bag made out of your favorite celebrity's skin leather. Oh, like, yeah. it's pretty gross. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not a bad thing, and it, but it's psychologically pretty off. Like, it's not going to hurt anything. I love it. I would hope. I love the, the psychological offness is the greatest, because it's like, I don't know, it kind of reveals something like it's like our instinct of morality fighting with our logic of morality or something weird i mean it's not healthy to have to like and i don't i think there's actually going to be some health repercussions as well human i mean we have human prion disease which is from eating brains which uh there's actually a a uh, tribe in Papua New Guinea that has a slight, some people have a genetic resistance to it, I believe. Whoa. Much human they've eaten, so if that's, <laughs> you can use that as an ethical argument, you know, an appeal to nature for, if, if you want to say that somebody is meant to eat meat, then well, they're meant to eat humans, so they should be able to eat you, so oh. there you go. <laughs> what is clitoris? Uh, just, just actually, if you're looking at that thumbnail, that is the internal organs the only only that tiny little thing on the top left of it is what is is on the surface and the rest is actually like the bulb of the vestibule is actually an analog for like the human for the penis that's like the shaft actually develops into these two inflating bulbs on the inside of the vagina crazy anatomy stuff which you can you can watch and explain it <laughs> i was not expecting to talk about that but whatever i don't mind talking about it at all because clogging, that's very easy to clog and bad things happen when that gets clogged. Something about sugar? Okay, no, they're not actually talking me to, asking me to talk about sugar. They're just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I said, yeah, what you say? I was gonna say like I no, just doing blood sugar. I kind of kind of stopped talking about it randomly, but I'm doing blood sugar tests because I have my I bought a blood sugar monitor and I'm gonna try doing all sorts of all sorts of random stuff like chugging you know, like a glass of sugar water and seeing what happens and things like turmeric to it and seeing if it blunts it. Problem is I only have so many days where I'm like wake up fasting, otherwise I'm not technically fasting. It's kind of if I have you heard about nootropics? Like yeah. Yeah, like um uh, yeah, 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 I have. I'm trying to think of that particular one. Maybe Modafinil or something? 
it's qualia qualia and i remember qualia people talk about qualia honestly if you look at what's actually in qualia it's not actually anything super magical if you look at what like a brand or something of mixture of things or something like that find it right now qualia ingredients let me just type it in really quickly not anything that magical plants um find the particular thing for it right now it's got things like dha the most neuro neurotropic effects in qualia are probably from the L-carnitine, which is like a, a generic supplement. The algal, algal DHA, which I thought is hilarious, like not going to happen. Caffeine, ginkgo, you know, tianine, which is the active ingredient in tea, which actually does put you into a slightly meta state. This has lithium. Does this actually have lithium in it? Okay, that's a totally different scenario. So you want to be taking bipolar drugs, then go I've, for it. I've been trying. You can get it off Amazon in small doses. Uh, lithium, I mean. And it's actually kind of interesting. There's some people that think that it used to be in the water supply, like from uh, like fresh water, and that the lack of it because of our filtered water causes like differences in our like society. Like so, uh, people in prison have the lowest levels of lithium in their hair when they test and. Like, uh, lithium has been shown to, like, prevent suicide and stuff, so they've added it to water in Japan and, um, Texas, I think. And it actually... I'd have to research that. I don't know. I, I know that water varies a lot. Well, people are like, fluoride is going to calcify your pineal gland, and it's going to make you super unspiritual, and you'll never reach enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, you don't want too much fluoride, and our water is actually the same as a lot of naturally occurring spring water. Actually, completely insane. Like, it's not as much of a crazy conspiracy. <laughs> Thought it would be. And so there's that. I, so there's places with really high fluoride, too high fluoride, places with, like, no fluoride. And then there's definitely places with low lithium. I don't know. Water is not going to have lithium, you know. I was joking. Someone was joking about my alter ego, which would be Meet the Vegan. Meet the Vegan. Meet the Vegan. I can't even remember. <laughs> the Viking. <laughs> I'd be a Viking meat guy. <laughs> so I might pull that character in. Meet the Viking. I might have to pull that character in at some point. You guys know that, that Baker called me Lil, Little Prick the Vegan, and therefore my official DJ name is DJ Little Prick, in case you're wondering. I'm going to go on a world tour. DJ Little Prick. Do it, man. Do it. Do you make music? I do. Yeah, I do make some music. I haven't done it in a while. Yes, you can be a backup dancer. What are you doing? <laughs> um... I actually had a rock band in Chicago before that. I made like more electronic music. I do electronic and I, so on Ableton, I don't know if you've seen Operator. I exclusively make all my instruments with Operator. 
And then I beatbox and stuff, but it doesn't really sound like beatboxing. It sounds more like, uh, well, I edit it so that it sounds more real, kind of. A song. I made a completely crazy acapella song once. Because you can put so many effects on everything that it doesn't even sound, doesn't even sound like voice anywhere. It's probably what you do. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. I'll like I'll take right. three layers and then um, I'll pitch down the bottom layer, pitch up one of the layers, and then when it's stacked, it sounds a lot more kind of like drums or some kind of like synthetic type of drums or something. Hey, I can send a song here. People can listen to. I don't even know if I can send songs. I think it'll work. It should. Might be a weird edit of it. Anyway, that's very off topic. You can download it, listen to it. I made that in my dorm room when I was in college, so it's. See, like one or so more questions, and then I gotta run and meet somebody. So you can see when these every morning. Oh my god is ridiculous i know there were some studies done saying that like ingesting semen balances hormones in women but i'm pretty sure that was like not a well done study and it's obviously just like male scientists just isn't that like a vegan way to get cholesterol too technically or something is there cholesterol there's any notable amount of cholesterol there probably is it probably has some it would raise your cholesterol. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's. I don't think there's basically any. It's basically vitamins. What's in there? You better be better be afraid of uh, diabetes. They're super gross. <laughs> I'm wearing... Thoughts on eating after B12? Definitely would be a good. Definitely would be good. There's so much B12 in poop. Like, I'm not even joking. Oh, yeah. Isn't We've that got all the B12 that we needed from, like, residual poop in our thumbnails. I mean, in, in our thumbnail, in our fingernails. Yeah, isn't that, like, don't <laughs> species, I think, like, rabbits will poop specific poops that are designed, not designed, but, like, made to get their B12. Like, I think they're the softer ones. They poop again. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Not something we need to do. Like, I, I talk about my videos a lot. There's studies showing that study most of the water bodies that they tested had enough b12 if you were to drink a liter a day you would get enough b12 it's not i mean i wouldn't rely on that and obviously you don't want to eat on drink untreated water now but kind of take kind of shoots down that you have to eat meat for p12 argument one liter of cups is the only way to do it anyway we can move on from this yes b12 is from bacteria in case you're wondering Um, Some so, final question that does not involve any ejaculatory fluids. Yeah, guys, this is, this is. a bit much. <laughs> no, it's okay. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I mean, I don't really mind. I just actually try to keep my channel generally kid-friendly because there are actually a lot of children that watch my videos. Like, yeah, there's, actually, uh, I think I'm going to edit like a lot of this out probably. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're gonna edit all this out. You're gonna edit so it's only this section. It's only gonna be this section. Yeah, <laughs> and then like I slander you somehow. Other chimpanzees and. <laughs> or I like cut it so somehow that that those two subjects are actually mixed and like out of context. <laughs> Just make the answer to your question about chimpanzees my response to this email <laughs> question. That'll that'll be great. Where are you gonna Where are you gonna post this? Um. So my podcast goes on iTunes and Google Play. I'm trying to get it on YouTube, but um, my computer sucks at like rendering videos, and I don't even have like a good software for that. Um. So. Uh, yeah, probably. And I got a last question here. Um, I'll pose these questions before I leave and then I gotta go. Uh, the first one was, how can I be vegan if I don't care enough to monitor my nutrition? Well, then you just can't be mad if something goes wrong. In the same way that anybody eating any diet, anything goes wrong. I mean, a lot of people are just walking around with deficiencies. There's also just things, it depends on how much you don't care. Like you don't necessarily have to monitor your, your nutrition super duper hard. Yeah, they said you can take a, a multivitamin, just make sure you're taking the things, things that are light, you know, necessary. Make sure you're taking your B12 and just make sure you're eating a somewhat balanced diet is how most people in the world function. So <laughs> you can't expect to never have any issues and then not be mad about any of those issues if you're eating an you know and eating an unbalanced totally unmonitored vegan diet but it's doable as much as you know prenatal vitamins just treat yourself like a baby i have i only have the uh glucose monitored right now but maybe i'll do insulin later okay then the other question was um Banana princess, banana warrior princess. Have you spoken to any farmers? How do you deal with them? So I was actually in a bar years ago. To me, and they're like, "Hey, we're students at the new students at the university," and yeah, they just like talk to me about random stuff. And they're like, "Actually, we just started a CAFO. We just started a, a confined paid farming operation. And look, you didn't hate us that much. Everybody hates us because what we're doing, but we're normal people. So they." pretended to be students they hate they knew local people where i lived hate the pig farmers because of how just how horrible it is to live around them and what they're doing but then i proceeded to debate them about it <laughs> there was a, a girl who there that worked on one and she's like her her justification because i'm like she's like no they're eating machines and my response was you're an eating machine and she was like actually paused and was like you're right <laughs> i think everybody was like just a little bit tipsy at this point but so i, I debated them on that for a while and uh things were hor pretty horrible and hopefully i got through them but that was i wouldn't probably wouldn't say that if i wasn't like at a bar i probably wouldn't chat, tell a girl that she was an eating machine but uh in general talking to people I don't know. It depends. You, it's just like talking to anybody else. You have to know, you know, you have to read them. If there's somebody who's going to be super intolerant. Yeah, definitely. More. <laughs> just walk up to a girl and say you're an eating machine. If, if her self-esteem is low enough. Uh, but that, yeah, that was one of my first experiences talking to a farmer, which, which is pretty interesting. 
Definitely. Uh, yeah, I just kind of debated with him for a while. One of the reasons was, well, my grand my grandpa is healthy and he eats pork every day. And I'm like, is he, though? Have you seen his arteries? How much longer is he going to live? I debated them, and now I have how much more. How much do I squat? Not very much. I haven't been squatting at all lately. I've actually been running. I've been sprinting. I'm trying to get my 800. I used to run the 800 in high school, and I was a little over two minutes. I was like two minutes and eight seconds down there. I'm at like 220 right now. I'm trying to get back down. I want to break two minutes, so I haven't been squatting that much. Like the most I squatted was just like was like 220, but I've not. I can't even do that much right now. Sprinting, sprinting has, has been great. Yeah. I've been vegan for seven years, and I went vegan because my girlfriend basically handed me the China study, and I, I you know, solve a lot of the science on you know, clogging arteries and stuff like that. So, yep. Then I just did more and more research and went vegan after reading the China study. So I guess that's it for me. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead and Sounds good. I'll see. Uh, one, sorry, one thing about the China study. I it wasn't the part about the part of that book that made me go vegan. It was the other stuff, the stuff on Alzheimer's, which is which my grandma had, and the stuff on just various, you know, various diseases. So. Wow. Yeah, that sounds intense. Oh, okay. so yeah, I was just like, I'm going to try and keep, keep my arteries clear. And then, you know, the stuff about the animal protein and cancer as well. So, and that's part of the reason I'm doing the blood glucose monitor thing, because I want to see what foods really raise blood sugar and then kind of eat around an even, even lower blood sugar diet. I already try and eat like a whole food vegan diet as much as possible, but just what, what happens, you know, what so happens I'm, if I eat a cheat meal, you know, how bad is it? I won't say much on this, but I did actually try intranasal insulin. I don't know if you've heard about that. It's a little insulin. That's one step farther than I think I'd ever go. But yeah, tell me about it. And then I gotta leave. Uh, basically, yeah, the, uh, you uh, would make like a nasal spray. For Alzheimer's. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the things. And I forgot what it specifically does, but they said it can mess with, because there's like blood brain barrier issues with like um like if you inject insulin there's a difference between doing that and snorting it where snorting it will uh actually reach uh the brain and i think it can like change how insulin is regulated throughout the body or something like that i for i it's been like a really long time when i did it i don't actually trust it um I don't know. I would definitely not recommend anyone do it. It was really popular for a while and people were promoting it, saying it was healthy and linking like a bunch of studies. And like, I did notice some um, cognitive effects and even I think it had visual changing effects and mood changing. Like I felt way more loose and stuff. But I think later I noticed, like, I took it before a, an exam, and I think it made me fail the exam. Oh, no. So not maybe not the best cognitive thing. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. I definitely feel like a lot of the is sort of like Band-Aids on happening for, for your brain, clogged brain arteries. I don't know if you guys are familiar with how basically the majority of what Alzheimer's is, is clogged brain arteries, it's bacon brain. And so 
then other things aren't an issue. Like there are studies showing that if you have a higher or lower copper or you know other heavy metal intake, it doesn't matter if you have a low saturated fat intake. So brain degeneration was associated with copper consumption only if you're eating a high saturated fat diet. So the more So if you can dodge that, then maybe you don't need to snort insulin, you know, <laughs> like you don't need to do these things. Like the beta amyloids aren't going to build up in your brain because there isn't going to be the clog, the fatty streaks to catch them. That's my view, but you know, maybe there's something. I'm not saying that vegans cures Alzheimer's, although there actually are some neurologists who say that. Let me link, let me link this really quickly. I would never claim that a vegan diet would reverse Alzheimer's. But there are two um, neurologists that went on rich roll, and they actually claim that you can reverse it to an extent. So here is the link for that. And I might just leave you guys with that. That's a, a very interesting talk. Uh, and they also talk a little bit. Um, keto so, diet and talking about, yeah, that's so, so, good. So thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Um, I will let you know when it's up and stuff and i'll send you a link and all that if you're interested um sure yeah yeah yeah. and i guess that's it did did i pave mike the vegan yes (laughs) yes i did just with a smile (laughs) i gave him probably like uh like 5k or something yeah he actually blackmailed me to yeah. give me the money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, uh, I appreciate appreciate all of the uh, questions and everything. Part of, you know, most of them. Not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Great. Well, it was great. Great to be here. Yeah. You head out and yeah, keep me posted on stuff, how things go. You know, next time you decide to start something, let me know how it goes, and uh, we'll <laughs> we'll keep in touch. Cool. Yes. See you. All right. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to support this project, please consider purchasing my music, which is available on pretty much any common music selling store. So iTunes, Google Play, etc. And you can actually listen to it for free on Spotify and SoundCloud. Uh, the artist name is Gage, which is spelled G A E. J. It's pretty easy, just a four-letter word. And I'll be leaving you with a sample of my music. This song is called Blue Day. Thanks for watching, and see you next time.